Welcome to Conversations, a podcast featuring conversations about life, theology, scripture, church, and everything in between. Hosted by Genesis Church in Mexico, Missouri. Find out more at www.genesisbegins.com. All right, welcome to Conversations um, uh, podcast, and I have with me Billy Johnson, and uh, we are going to be talking about anxiety and uh, or anxiety within a crisis event, uh, that kind of a crisis event that's a game changer, uh, or also maybe anxiety within a crisis season, and we'll talk more about that in a moment. Uh, But I do want to address a couple of things. So our our last podcast was back in July and, and we'll explain why we just abruptly just cut it off back in July. And that was when it was, that was when the podcast was, was released, but we actually stopped recording podcasts before July. And, uh, at that time, Kate Shaw and I were, we were in the middle of doing a series of podcasts on anxiety. And we, we had talked about the meaning of anxiety. Uh, the four spaces of anxiety and how to recognize anxiety and all those things are important. If you miss those, go back and watch them. I encourage you to do that. Uh, But today we are going to pick back up on the subject of anxiety and I'm going to give you a real live and current example of dealing with anxiety and being in the middle of a crisis event and from my own life. And and what that's going to look like is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of something and there's some things I did right. There's some things, uh, uh, I'm learning about myself and there's some things I did wrong that, you know, if I go back, I'd do it over again, uh, do it differently. But, um, and so I've asked Billy to join me in this process or in this conversation, because uh, first of all, I'm going to give him complete permission to ask any question, bring up any subject, challenge me on anything, bring in any insights on this. And, and he's just going to help have, ha- help me have this conversation and, and share with, uh, with what God has been doing in my life. Now, uh, I also want to point out that, uh, there will be times when I may pause, uh, because, uh, I like to wear my emotions on my sleeve and I will, uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a cry baby. And so, I mean, I cry when I'm happy. I cry when I'm sad. Sometimes I cry and I'm going, well, am I crying? I don't know. Uh, but, uh, so I'm one of those guys, that if I go to a funeral and I know nobody and I hear somebody crying, you know, I'm that secondhand crier. I'll cry because they're crying, you know, they're sad. I don't know why, but I'm going to cry with them. So, but by the way, the Bible does say mourn with those who mourn. Okay. So I'm just throwing that out. It's there. biblical. It's, it's biblical. biblical. Yes, it's biblical. Um, and, uh, uh, except, and there's this, uh, there's this lady at church. Uh, she's a, a special needs adult lady and her name is Kim. And we have several Kims, but, uh, this particular one, uh, she started coming to church, I don't know, maybe a year ago. And, uh, so whenever I start, sometimes when I start crying, uh, she'll just walk right up in the middle of it and give me a hug, you know, and she's, She's adorable. She's sweet, you know, and, uh, and, you know, uh, she, uh, she's oblivious. She doesn't care about the cameras. She doesn't care about the crowd. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? She just wants to comfort, comfort me. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, 
And so anyway, Billy, say hi. I've been talking. I've referred to you, but I haven't. You haven't given you a chance to talk yet. So, welcome to the podcast. Well, no, I I, I very much appreciate you having me on here. I, I think, uh, you know, this particular podcast, kind of coming back into it. Uh, you know, you, you've you and Kate spoke in great detail about anxiety and and you know and and I think it is good for the listeners. And it's good for me to have a real world practical application of how anxiety in a crisis event can affect someone. And, you know, and you, you're a, you're a man of God, you're a follower of God, you do the very best that you can each and every day. Uh, but that doesn't make you um, immune to crisis events. And, and you know, and, and I, I think, you know, I've been around, you know, with you in the discipleship group for about the last year, and I've got to see you kind of journey through this as you continue to journey through it. And I, you know, I think it's good for people to understand that everybody goes through crisis events and everybody's got anxiety and, and, you know, about one subject or another. And it's, it's good to have these real raw conversations about this topic. Yeah. And I'll, I'll be honest. I, okay. Oh, a couple of months ago at the discipleship group, um, we were talking about stuff about what I was going through and I had mentioned starting the podcast back up and all that kind of stuff. And you had mentioned about me talking about this and that I ought to share my story and just kind of walk through some stuff and you know, what I've learned and stuff like that. And so I'll be honest with you. I was reluctant at first to, um, share and talk about it because I'm in the middle of it, you know, and when you're in the middle of something, you see it differently. But I, the more I thought about it, I thought, well, maybe that would be helpful, you know, to actually talk about it while you're in the middle of it. I mean, and I don't mean, I mean, to, to, to go public, cause this is a public conversation. This is a podcast. Anybody can listen to it. And, uh, and I want to, I want to, you know, I want to share some things that, uh, I'm a little uncomfortable sharing, but I think will be necessary about me. And so that hopefully the, the transparency and the honesty and just being raw will help those who are going through it. Because I will say one of the temptations, uh, of when you're in a crisis and you're in the middle of it, especially on the front end, when you go into it, there is this thought where you or this feeling where you feel alone. I mean, it's kind of an odd thing and absolutely right. And you think you're the only one really going through it, I mean, even though, you know, you're, you're not, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, other people going through the exact same thing. And so, um, and, and we'll get into all of that, but, um, just preparing the listeners here that, you know, as we go through this podcast, actually this pod, this discussion with Billy and I will last at least two podcasts, maybe even three and it depends on how far we, how far we get. Billy has the gift of gab and so do I. So, uh, we, we like to talk <laughs> and, and so, uh, but we, uh, we're planning on diving into some stuff that I think will be encouraging to you and, and helpful for you. Uh, but in the process, I'm going to have to be transparent and, and being transparent is uncomfortable. Uh, but, um, but I'm at the point in my life where I feel safe doing that. You know, when I was younger, I would not have been comfortable talking about stuff. Uh, but, and hopefully, like I said, this will be encouraging to you. All right. Uh, you know, before I, I have a verse, second Corinthians chapter one, verse three, and then I want to, I want to read. And then we're going to, we're going to start with that. Anything else, Billy, you, you want to say before I get into this? 
No, I, I, uh, one of the things, so first of all, I appreciate your courage to come on here and kind of be transparent. I, I could say for me personally, the last year, um, you being transparent has encouraged me, uh, to be more open and transparent about some of the things that affect me and that, that I struggle with. And, you know, and, and in that, in this last year, just kind of watching you, uh, go through this and, and, you know, make the, the right choices and maybe, you know, mess some of the stuff up, you know, watching you kind of go through this process has helped me to the point where, uh, you know, I've had other people kind of come to me and talk to me and say, Hey, look, you know, I'm, I'm kind of going through some things too. So, you know, so I appreciate your courage to be transparent. I know that you're still kind of in the thick of things. You're right in the middle of this. And, uh, I really, the best part about it is, is how humble you are. I, I think that, this not only is helpful for me personally, but I think it will really strike, you know, a nerve or really, really mean something to the listeners. So I, I very much appreciate you getting on here and talking about something so close to your heart. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, and I'm processing some stuff and it's interesting to talk about it when you're trying to process it. And part of processing for me is just talking out loud about it. I mean, that's just, you know, Sometimes Pam has told me in the past, she says, you know, like talking to you sometimes when we're talking about something, it's like, it's like you've made a decision. And I think we've, we've made a decision when in reality, you're just processing it. It's just a thought you have, not a decision you make, you know, and I went, no, that's true. No, that's, that's well, accurate. And I'm kind of the same way, you know, I'm a, I'm a verbal processor, you mm -hmm. know, for me, uh, I, I do better at understanding something if I talk about it out loud. Yeah. So, you know, and, and it seems to me that you and I are very similar in that respect. Yeah, that's true. All right. So, uh, and, oh, and before I get into this, I want people to understand, um, I, I am, I'm going to share some things that are, are difficult and sad for me. Uh, but I'm not looking for this is not, this is not just not looking for sympathy. I'm not looking for pity. I'm not, though, this is strictly, I am reluctantly sharing this, uh, at the detail I'm going to share it, um, it, for the purpose of helping for helping others. And, uh, and, and second Corinthians chapter one, verse three explains why. And so here's what the Bible says. All praise to God, the father of our Lord, Jesus Christ. God is our merciful father and the source of all comfort, no matter where it comes from. He's the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. So this podcast is an attempt to do that very thing. God has and is comforting me through a crisis season that I'm currently in. Um, and it has been difficult it, and the difficult part, uh, is really learning to die to myself. And, and we'll talk more about that later. Um, and because of what's going on. So, but my hope, my hope is that by talking about what is going on in my life and sharing what God has done and the lessons I'm currently learning that it will be comfort to those who are going through their own crisis season or crisis event. And, uh, cause you know, I don't want 
you to feel alone because I mean, I get it when you're going through a tragedy or you're going through some troubles, you're going to be at home. You're going to be by yourself or something. And you're going to, you're going to feel alone. I mean, even though you've got people around you, you know, that God is, you know, he's present. You've got people praying for you. You got people helping you. There's something about us where that pity party kicks in from time to time. And, and this, you know, you go, why me, you know, why, you know, or, or the inner critic kicks in, you could do it better, you know, you know, somehow you should have saw it coming or whatever. And so, uh, anyway, so Billy Johnson is going to help me do this. And so, like I said, he's been up close and I've given him permission to derail my conversation any way he sees fit. (laughs) I will be happy to do that. Right. And so, um, but I do know that Billy has something he wants to bring before I get into, we're going to, I'm going to talk about what a crisis event is. And we're going to talk about some general stuff about crisis before we get into my life. If we even get into my life on this podcast, but Billy, you've got something that you, uh, you had mentioned that you wanted to bring up. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, uh, you know, we, we, everyone is anxious. We kind of go through our own seasons and, and Lord knows this last year for me, uh, you know, has been a season of, of anxiety and kind of sorting through some things. And, and so I, I found the verse in, in Philippians chapter four, verse six, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And I got to thinking about uh, that verse. And I've thought about that verse several times while I've kind of gone through some uh, this last short season in my life. And I, I began to ponder the question on what does being anxious say about our faith? You know, because I've talked to some people who said, who have said, you know, being anxious is just a sign that you're not trusting God enough. And there's part of me that does agree in some instances, some of our anxiety does come from uh, forgetting even for a moment that God is in control and finding comfort in that. But it also feels like it feels like anxiety also comes from someplace different sometimes. And I, and I haven't completely been able to, to rectify that or sort that in my mind. And so I, I wanted to kind of pose that question to you to get some insight. And also, um, you know, maybe that, that particular question, you know, what does being anxious say about our faith? That particular question can maybe permeate this conversation. And, and uh, that's something that, that I'm going to be listening for, you know, during, during this particular podcast, because I think a lot of people probably struggle, um, with that very thought. If I'm anxious, does that mean I'm not being as faithful to God as I should be? And I I think that's an important question for us to answer. So your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, okay. First of all, anxiety is not a sin. So let's rule that out. Okay. And we can talk about, we can talk about that at another the details behind anxiety, not being a sin, but anxiety is not a sin. And the one of the reasons why I say that is because when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, uh, man, he was stressed out. <laughs> okay. And he was wrestling with, you know, God, the son was wrestling with God, the father over what was about to happen. And I mean, Jesus clearly stated he did not want to go. He did not want to be separated from the father and he did not want to have to receive all the wrath that God was about to bring down for other people's sin. I mean, that's why Jesus said, you know, can you take this cup away from me? You know, not my will, 
but your will be done. So he, I mean, he didn't want to do this. And it was so stressful that the anxiety was so high that he began to sweat drops of blood. I mean, so he was under a lot of pressure and, um, so, and G, the Bible is clear that Jesus never sinned. So at that moment, Jesus was experiencing anxiety, but he wasn't sinning. So, uh, and in the book of James, it talks about be angry and sin not. And so to me, anger is a form of anxiety. It's a reflection when you, when, you know, people get anxious, they get upset. Uh, at least some people express it that way. Uh, I think it's completely biblical and accurate. You can also say, be anxious and sin not. So anxiety is just a symptom of what's going on, the pressure you're under, but now what you, what do you do when you're anxious? That's the key. You know what I'm saying? So obviously Jesus was anxious and trusting the heavenly father at the same time. Okay. Yeah. I, I appreciate that insight that, right. uh, you know, that's, right. yeah, I, I think that's good clarification on that. Yeah. So, um, I mean, there's more to it than that. And now, but however, anxiety can lead you into sin and, uh, and doing all kinds of making poor decisions, unwise decisions and getting into trouble, you know? So, um, uh, but, yeah. And we'll talk about that. And I, and, you, and I think as we go through this, I think people will recognize and they'll, they'll pick up the struggle between when you're anxious and trusting God, because anxiety wants you to take control. Okay. When you're anxious, you're wanting to control the situation, control the person or control the event or whatever it is. And down to the little details of stuff, which, um, we'll, we'll talk about later, but, um, um, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, and people struggle with that. Actually, in my research on anxiety over the past 12 months or so, uh, that um, there, and there's different views about am I tr if I'm anxious, am I trusting God? And it really depends on the type of anxiety and the level of anxiety. Uh, because you can be anxious and still trust God, uh, but you can also be anxious and not trust it. So sure. there's, there's a lot going on in there. It's kind of like sure. the, it's kind of like the whole thing that, uh, being bold or being courageous because you can't be bold and courageous if you're not afraid of doing something. Follow what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, if a person's okay, for example, there are some people who just go jump off the high dive and they have, that's not an issue with them. They just go jump off of it. Well, I remember the first time I jumped off the high dive, I was on the edge thinking about climbing back down, you know? Yes, sir. All right. So it took boldness and courage for me to jump off the high dive. All right. Now, after I did that several times, you know what I, you know, uh, you know what I realized? I didn't need boldness or courage. Now it was, it was just, it just is. I just went there and jumped, you know? And, uh, uh, so what I'm saying is, is that the, presence of fear doesn't mean you're not bold. And what I'm saying is that the presence of anxiety does not mean you don't have faith. Okay. Amen. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I think it's very possible and most likely that when you're anxious, that's when you really need faith more. That's when you're, uh, and, and we'll talk about this again. Uh, Seasons of anxiety, uh, in a crisis situation, uh, you, you're going to find out what you believe about God. I mean, you just are, you know, with what you say, how you act, you're going to, I mean, it's a refining process. And, um, well, I always think about, uh, you know, we, you and I have been involved in many conversations about 
um, you know, that, that refining process, you know, and, and uh, I, I will say, you know, for me, 2022 was a refining process. I, I found it to be uh, incredibly exciting, uh, incredibly uplifting and incredibly difficult at the same time. I would, I, I have generally described 2022 as maybe the, best and worst year of my life. And I mean that in that I can look back at 2022 and, and look, you know, I'm, you know, every person, you know, they're, they're, they've got their daily struggles and they're, they're looking to improve each day. But I will say I can look back at 2022 now with some perspective uh, and see, you know, kind of see how God was working in my life. But I will say it was not necessarily a very fun journey. And I imagine for you, you know, in this, in this season of your life, uh, there are portions of this you can look back on with some perspective and appreciate the growth, but man, it just wasn't very much fun. That refining process is not always uh, comfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I have found it to be rather difficult. You know, you always use uh, this idea of, of the forge and fire and, and, this refinement process that has tools and, you know, there, there are a lot of, man, I, there, there is a lot of that that goes on and it's not always comfortable. No. Uh, well, first of all, the refining process is never comfortable. Yeah. Okay. So when you're okay, when you're going, spiritual growth is a lot of ups and downs. Okay. And it's just like physical training. I mean, uh, when we're growing spiritually, what God does is he allows things or sometimes brings things into our life that is very difficult. That's when he's stretching us. And that's when he's actually refining us. And that's when he's chiseling away at stuff. And, but then we had to have time to recover. And so then he, then it's like, he backs off, you know, and lets us rest, you know? So like, you know, if you're, you know, in training, you know, you, you, you know, you train a muscle on Monday, you rest it on Tuesday, you train it on Wednesday. So it's this up and down kind of a thing in order to move forward. And, um, uh, and God does that for us. And so when, but here's the thing, oftentimes we run from a refining moment, a refining moment, a moment where God is trying to chisel away. So we run from it rather than embrace it. And, um, because it, it, because God is going to use those crises in our events to chisel away at us, to make us more like him, because there's a lot about me. That's not like, that's not like him. And he is wanting to me to be, to be a follower of Jesus, to represent him and to be more like him, more like Christ. And so, you know, he's just, he's got to burn some stuff out of me, you know, and chisel it away out of me and work it out. So, uh, and it's not fun. It never is. And, um, uh, I mean, you know, I, okay. So let me back up for, so I was, uh, we were, okay. I played basketball in middle school and I think I've shared this story before, but, uh, a friend of mine named John Tuberville, he was, uh, he and I were talking one day and we were, we're in eighth grade. All right. Heading the night. So we were talking middle school and, uh, we had an average season in eighth grade and, uh, you know, like a 500 team. And so, uh, the coach left, went somewhere and we got, and we were, we didn't know who the new coach was going to be. And, and John and I were sitting around talking and, 
And his mindset was, I said, Hey, what kind of coach do you think we you hope we get? And he said, man, I hope we get one that knows what he's doing and will push us to the limit, you know, that kind of a thing. And I'm sitting there thinking, I am on the opposite end of that. I hope we get one that's lazy that, you know, that doesn't want us to do sprints and bleachers and all this other stuff. You know sure. what I'm saying? Well, sure. yeah. So we, we got the coach we got was the one that John wanted. Okay. So he comes in is first year coaching. Uh, he's right out of college and he, he was a college basketball player himself. And, uh, he comes in and he starts doing all this new stuff and making us do bleachers and sprints and, you know, and, all, and just, you know, showing us all these weird things that really mentally were good, but physically, man, he was pushing us. And, um, and anyway, make a long story short, this particular coach led us to the state championships as ninth graders and, and we won. And the only difference was we had the exact same players. The only difference was that coach. And I am telling you that if you want to succeed in life, you've got to allow your coach, God, to make – you've got to do the bleachers. You've got to do the sprints. You've got to go through all the stuff that he takes you through. The wax on, wax off concept, it may not make sense at the time, but when it's time to use it, it go, oh, that's what that was about. You know? Sure. Yeah. Now, so. is it – now, just just for my own personal – mental well-being yeah it's okay that i complain during that process isn't it yeah i think god can handle your complaints <laughs> yeah i think so i think he's bigger than my complaints yeah yeah there's a you know and sometimes our complaints isn't really complaining i think sometimes we're just processing and god knows he we're having you know you and i you know if i say you know pam says i'm a complainer but i'm processing everything i'm talking out loud you know what i'm saying sure. and uh but anyway all right so that but pam's not here to just you know to correct me on that so there you are uh, sure. at least at least not today all mm -hmm. right so let's talk about uh okay so uh let's talk about crisis for a moment uh, now already okay so i'm looking at the clock here i already know that what we're going to do is we're going to talk about crisis and crisis events and then in the next podcast we're going to dive into the details of what's going on with me and what's happening and how uh how how i see god working within my own personal crisis and uh we'll do that on the next podcast so all right um all right let's talk about crisis for a moment um so when i say crisis event uh and it, with dealing with the concept of anxiety when i say crisis event it's a major disruption a major disruption or breakdown in a person in a in a in a person's um or family's normal or usual pattern of functioning. So a crisis cannot be resolved by a person's customary problem-solving resources and skills, okay? And when I say crisis, I mean something bigger, much bigger than you personally can handle and fix yourself, okay? So I don't consider uh, the washing machine breaking down as a crisis, okay? Sure. It's a problem. I don't consider the car breaking down as a crisis. It's a problem because that can be fixed. You can borrow a car. I mean, you can take care of it in a day. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, to me, when, I, when I'm saying crisis, I'm saying an event or a season that so impacts your life 
that you have to adjust how you live at least for a while. I mean, it's a game changer. Okay. Um, a crisis event has a sudden impact with the ongoing, with ongoing consequences and results. So, I mean, for example, like, um, the death of a spouse, that's a crisis event. That's a game changer. Uh, the death of a child, a divorce, losing your job. These are things that you can't easily fix. You know, you find out your spouse has committed adultery. Now, what do you do? That kind of a stuff. And sure. so, uh, are you, the doctor says you have, you know, um, a, an illness that you're going to have to battle for months, you know, something of that nature. So we're talking, it, it changes things. And we're talking about a major crisis event. Now you teach now in, as a police officer, you do some training and you were sharing a definition that you use in your training. Uh, that was a good one. What, what was that? Yeah. So, uh, Generally, it, the, the way I've kind of described a crisis is anything that your normal coping mechanisms can't resolve. So, you know, you were talking about, you know, your car breaks down, your drive, you know, there are resources and those are problems. But, you know, in the day, if we put our head down, uh, generally our coping mechanisms and resources are there to help resolve that crisis events to me or crisis seasons are when our normal coping me mechanisms don't function to resolve that problem, or we have to redefine uh, our day-to-day -day activities, uh, you know, and come up with new coping mechanisms to kind of, to handle those new situations. So for me, just kind of break it down, it's any, a crisis is anything that our normal coping mechanisms can't resolve. Yeah, no, see that, yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about, because with what, I have gone through over the last 12 months, my normal coping mechanisms can't resolve it. I can't fix it. It's out. I of imagine. My, yeah. It's out of my hands. You know, uh, you know, only God can do something. And so, and he has, he's been doing some incredible things, which I'm excited about sharing and, but I'm gonna have to hold off till the next podcast. So, uh, <laughs> on all that. All right. So we're talking about crisis seasons and crisis events. So here's, here's a couple of thoughts, uh, to get you going or to get the listeners going in the right direction. So, um, when I was thinking about my particular crisis, um, here's a thought I had when, when you are in a crisis season, when you're in a crisis season, uh, and I call it season because, uh, I don't think, of what I'm going through as like a one day event. Okay. This is the, this is something that's going on for months. And, uh, actually when, the bigger picture for me personally, it really started about five years ago. And, and I'll explain what I mean by that next time. Uh, when you are in a crisis season, it, it can be a good thing uh, because it wakes you up and it forces, it forces you to refocus and reprioritize. Yes. You I mean, you, cause, and if you, and if you, and if you don't give into that, if you don't refocus, you don't reprioritize, what you're going to do is you're going to shut down. You'll just ignore it. You'll, you'll, you'll get, you'll, you'll ignore responsibilities. I mean, it, so when you're in a crisis event, it forces you to make a decision about things, you know what I'm saying? And uh, which that's why I say it can be a good thing because again, when you're in a crisis, people sometimes ask me, Jeff, what's it like when God is working on you? You know, like, 
you know, they're asking for themselves, you know, you know, like, uh, you know, how do, how do I, you know, how do I, how does God change me? I said, well, one way he's going to, he's going to allow some problems coming to your life. He's going to allow a crisis to come into your life. And because that's where you grow, that's where the chiseling happens. And if you want to grow spiritually, uh, we're going to have to learn how to grow in the Valley. That's the point of the Valley. And because it's in the Valley is where you will depend on him. Uh, cause you have to depend on him. Um, it's a sink or swim situation. And yeah. well, and the, the truth is, is that, you know, I, I like, you know, it's so when these crisis events show up in our lives, you know, it is, it is instinctively our go-to move, or at least some people to kind of bury their heads in the sand, pull the blanket up over their head. And one thing that I have learned is, is crisis events continue on with or without your attention. <laughs> yeah. They continue on. And they're and not they going away. No, and they don't get any better with time. Generally, what they get better with is practical application to problem solving or growth. They don't just get better over time and just kind of go away. The boogeyman doesn't go back into the closet and just say, hey, it doesn't appear that you're ready for that. I'm going to go back into the closet. You know, you can't just put your head in the sand or throw the blanket up over your head. Now I know that's very difficult. Lord knows I've had plenty of opportunities in my life to take things on head on and I've turned or buried my head in the sand. And it, it, it has been my observation and my experience. They don't get better with time because they're going to continue. They're going to continue moving forward with, with or without your attention. Mm-hmm. Um. And I would, I just, I want to encourage the listeners that look, when a crisis happens, uh, you're going to be tested. I mean, that's just, you're going to find out who you are. Okay. Um, you're going to find out where your faith is. You were talking about faith earlier. Um, you know, you're going to find out what you believe about yourself or what you believe about God. Um, and here's the thing that concerns me. And as a pastor, I've seen something happen when a crisis event happens with Christians and it, it's disturbing to me and saddening at the same time. And I'm not mad at, at these people when this happens, I just feel sorry for them. They, um, I've seen Christians, families, Christian husbands, Christian wives, that when a crisis happens, they abandon God and they blame God. And so they quit reading the Bible, they quit going to church, it quit, you know, they just drop out. It's like, they don't want to have anything to do with it anymore. They get mad at them, which I mean, it's a grief process. Anger is part of the grief process. And when you go through a crisis event, you're going to experience grief. And again, we'll talk about that later, but, um, the, uh, you're going, so one of the things that I think Christians need to understand is, is that when the crisis hits, yes, you're going to be, you're going to have questions about God, about his faithfulness, about his goodness, about his love and all that kind of stuff. But you have to remember that it's not about your comfort. It's about your character. He is allowing this to happen. He said, Jesus said in this world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have crisis. Okay. You're going to, there's going to be some major headaches and major disappointments. And, uh, but he said, take heart. In other words, he said, look, don't give up on God, hang in there. All right. So stay close to God during this time. And that's where that refocusing and reprioritizing, you know, this is where, when the crisis hits, this is where you lock and load and, and you get 
man, you hunker down okay, because the battle's coming. You're now, this is what, in, in crisis events, and I try to tell people this all the time, spiritual warfare is not what you see in Hollywood where you see a bunch of demons running around on the screen. Spiritual warfare happens um, when you hear the bad news and how are you going to respond to it? How are you going to respond when things are not working out the way you hope they worked out, you know? Um, so, I mean, that's where, that's when the, that's when that spiritual armor needs to come on. That's when the, you're now in the middle of a battle, the bullets are flying and, uh, it's all about refocusing, reprioritizing on what God wants you to do at that moment. Yeah. What you got? Well, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, people turning away from God or being angry with God, you know, and, and I, for me, uh, there have been some things in my life that God has made me go through that I would have been much more comfortable had I not had to go through, obviously, you know, and I have sat down with God and had many conversations, you know, and, and for me, it's, it's okay. If in, in, in my opinion, it is okay. If you don't understand why it is that God's doing this and it's okay if you're upset or you're hurt that you you're going through these things, but I would encourage everyone listening and anyone going through a crisis event to understand it's okay to feel those with man, take that to God, have that conversation with God. He can handle the criticism. He can handle your frustration. He can handle all those things. And he is going to be the answer to those things if you're willing to listen. And so it's okay that people are upset or they question why those, those are all questions God can handle. Just take those concerns to God, both in prayer through, you know, Christian friendships, through the word, you know, just take those concerns, lay them at God's feet and say, help me through this. I don't understand this. I'm frustrated by this. Help me through this. And I have found, you know, God is on time every time. God is faithful. God is all, all of the things that, that the Bible says that he is, he is those, you know, those, those things. Take those concerns, those frustrations, take them to God, put them at his feet and say, help me with this you know, and instead of turning away. Absolutely. Um, and see, because the, I mean, really our flesh, our sinful nature, our human nature, uh, and the devil himself, you know, when the crisis hits, you know, the devil sees this as an opportunity. Absolutely. That's, uh, I mean, it's a heyday for him. Yeah, it is because that was, that was Job's. I mean, that was the devil's point with Job. It's all right, God, bringing a bunch of bad stuff into his life. Guarantee you he'll run from you. Well, Job sure. did not do that. Job struggled. I mean, he had a lot of questions, but he remained faithful. And, um, um, anyway, we'll get more into that later on. So, all right. So we're talking about this crisis event or this crisis season, a couple of thoughts on it. Um, another lesson I've learned about being in a crisis event is that in a crisis season, every little thing counts. Okay. So if you think about this as spiritual warfare, uh, in the bullets are flying, every little movement counts. You know what I'm saying? Uh, this is because it's going to feel intense and it's going to feel intense at, for long periods of time. Um, and you're going to be tired mentally, emotionally, physically. It's just because it's draining. A crisis event is draining. And so in a crisis season, every little thing counts. So uh, because during a crisis season, you're going you're gonna to want to shut down, but you cannot. You know, and I like, uh, I like what the great theologian Rocky Balboa once said, 
lay it on me. Right. Uh, Rocky Balboa once said, it's not how hard you can hit. It's how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. And that is so true. And here's the thing in life, you are going to get hit. Okay. The devil's going to, the devil's going to shoot his flaming arrows at you. Uh, you are going to have trouble and I'm not trying to be negative here. I'm not being a pessimist here. I'm, I'm just saying what Jesus said in this world, you're going to have trouble, you know, and there's a reason why the Bible has a lot to say about going through difficult times, you know, going through trials and troubles and persecution and hard hardship and all this other kind of stuff, because we're just going to go through it. And, uh, and, and really I had to ask myself in the middle of all this, okay. Okay. How hard does the devil have to hit? How hard does the world have to hit? How hard does my life have to hit me before I don't get up? Before I, before I just quit. Have you found that answer yet? Uh, no, I have not. Good, good. All right. Because here's the thing, and, and we'll get into this because if I am trying to do this without God, I'm done. Yes, sir. I'm walking out. But because of God, he is. He is my strength. He is my shield. He is my comfort. And because of my relationship with God, I, I can see, here's what people don't understand. When you have the armor of God on, you can take all the hits the world can throw at you and keep moving forward. That's what Amen. they don't understand. And, and one of the reasons why, you, here's my thought. The times I'm thinking about quitting, whatever that looks like, and we can get into that later. But when I think about quitting, whatever, um, I, that is when I realized, man, okay, I'm not, I don't have the armor on. Like I think, you know what I'm saying? I'm missing something. I've put the shield of faith down. I've taken the helmet of salvation off. And I don't mean lose my salvation. I'm just talking about the knowledge of who I am saved and all that kind of stuff. And, um, but, uh, uh, but I do think that as Christians, we forget who we are in Christ and what we have in him and, and, and a crisis event either reminds you of who you are, or it reveals, uh, reveals something terrible about you. You know what I'm saying? That you, you that God's going to have to work on, but anyway, uh, so, but, but in a, in a crisis season, every little thing counts, every decision counts. Okay. Um, every day counts. And this is where you have to have that warrior mindset. And I think you do have to go through it with the idea of, okay, God, what do you want me to do today? What does winning look like today? You know, I can't do the things I used to do, uh, because of it's life changes and, uh, and I've got new priorities. I got a new schedule. So how do I adjust this and how do I die to myself in, in this process? So in, in crisis, every little thing counts. So don't, don't, don't minimize, you know, or ignore the little things, the little decisions in life. And what I mean by that is like for, okay. Um, for me with what's going on, man, I wish, you know, I mean, people don't know what's going on, you know, not everything, but with what's going on for me, part of it was, you know, I've got, so I've got, I've got this three-year-old and I've got this six-year-old that, uh, that we adopted and, um, 
and when um when i had to adopt the single dad life and i don't mean i don't mean pam's dad don't misunderstand what i'm saying it's just that pam is not available and uh, because she has leukemia and she's going through bone marrow transplant and all that and we'll get into that later but um when the wheels fell off and pam had to go into the hospital for a month when she was diagnosed with leukemia um this is where every little thing counted now all of a sudden my the the wheels fell off and now i have i'm a full-blown into a single dad mode and i'm I, and i'm 54 years old i'm not i'm not 24 i'm not 34 i mean i got grandkids that are older than the kids that I'm raising right now. And so I am thinking about all the little things. Okay. Now I'm thinking about, all right, we got to make sure that their life is as normal as possible. Cause it's not going to be normal at this point. Uh, but I'm the glue. I'm the, I'm, I'm the stable person in their life. Uh, and, uh, they seem people die and go away and they've seen people leave them and all this kind of stuff. And so Pam and I had to make some changes. I had to make some changes, but it, but it all began down to the micro decisions where, okay, now I'm getting up at this time, take care of the girls. I do this, I do that. I got to get them to school. You know what I'm saying? Come home, you know, I feed them, I, you know, give them baths. I, you know, do their homework with them. I mean, single parent stuff. And, and here's the thing, again, I'm not saying all this for pity. So I'm just trying to help people understand that uh, this is not, I get them one week and I don't the next, this is not sharing it with the parent. This is full blown single parent mode, 24, seven, 365 days a year. And, um, and that is a, that's a, that's a game changer for me. And so I, I realized that the, the, there's these little things that I have to do that I don't want to do. Okay. I'm not, I'm not wired to be a babysitter. Okay. I'm not wired to, you know, at least I didn't, I don't think I am. And, uh, but I think God's having to rewire me. Okay. No and doubt. I, all right. So, and, and that's that refining process. And I think when a crisis hits, I do think that that's where God is beginning to rewire some things in our thinking, rewiring some things in what we're about. And so, um, and that's why I say that in a crisis season, every little thing counts. Um, and it, it is the, we'll get more to that later. All right. So another thought I had, uh, during crisis events is that losing your head in a crisis is the best way to become the crisis. Amen. Now let me say that again. Amen. Yeah. Losing your head in a crisis is the best way to become the crisis. So here, here's what I'm saying. That is when a crisis hits, make sure the, the crisis is the crisis, not you. Okay. I, I was going to jump in there. You know, you mentioned, uh, well, so uh, for a living, I'm, I'm a police officer and firefighter. I've right. been doing it uh, about 15 and a half years. And so uh, the way the way I always describe it is we're, we are the first responders of last resort. Normally, what that means is, is that uh, the people that call us have utilized all their regular coping mechanisms and they haven't been able to resolve the situation. Right. So they give us a call and whether, it, like I said, whether it be a police matter or a fire, you know, situation, 
So they give us a call because their normal coping mechanisms and their capabilities, uh, this is beyond that. So one of the most important things that we can do is when we get there that we don't add to the crisis. We, because we are just as susceptible to crisis mode as anyone else is. And so, yeah, the very worst thing you can do is lose your head and become part of the problem, not the solution. And that is very, very difficult, but that is something that is very near and dear to my heart and something that, uh, that I have to keep in mind all the time. So, you know, the fact that you said when you lose your head, you become, you become the crisis or you become part of it is absolutely true. And I've seen it over and over and over again. It doesn't do any good and it just kind of drags you down. And, and so, yeah, I very much appreciate uh, that distinction that you made. Yeah. And so uh, um, through this process, there's a phrase and we'll get it again. A lot of the stuff I'm just, I mentioned we're getting to later, but uh, there's a phrase that I, I, I repeat over and over for me. It's very helpful. And, and it's uh, it's a phrase. I, I just say aware, calm, and present, aware, calm, and present. And, and when I am sensing the anxiety increasing, uh, okay, aware, calm, and present, I will say that in my head. And usually one of those words jumps out and that's, that lets me know that's what I, because of my understanding of what these words mean, uh, that's what I'm needing to focus on. Cause there are times where I'll say aware, calm and present. And it's like, okay, Oh, I need to be aware of what's going on with me right now. Okay. And I need to be, a, or I need to be aware that the anxiety is in them, not me. Okay. So I, I need to be aware that the anxiety is in that person and it doesn't need to spread from their space to my space. And so there are times where I'll say aware, calm and present and the word calm jumps out at me, meaning, okay, I just need to say calm so I can think, you know what I'm saying? In other words, I focus on emotional mental control. And then, uh, uh, there are times where I'll say aware, calm and present and present means, okay, I need to, I'm present to hear God or I'm present to focus on somebody else. Sure. Because yeah, they're, they're upset or something, or they're angry about something. And so I just need to be present, but however, I can't get to being present if I'm not aware and I'm not calm. So I got to be aware, calm and present. They all go together for, to be able to manage anxiety correctly. And, um, uh, and that, that helps me, that keeps me from, from joining the crisis or adding to the crisis. And so when the crisis hits, I, I need to make sure I'm aware, calm and present. So I don't become the crisis. Cause there are some people, I mean, like, I mean, I've seen people where they, a crisis hits and there's the, the crisis is, you know, you know, death of a loved one or some tragedy, a divorce or whatever. And that's the crisis. But then all of a sudden the person loses it so much, you know, that now they are the crisis. You know, they start, well, thinking, I, they start thinking about harming themselves, harming somebody else, abandoning children or whatever. And they become the crisis rather than the actual crisis. So now well, you got two, you got two crises, you got the individual and you got the, 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 the original crisis. Well, 20 years ago, you know, in my life, you know, so, you know, if I would become anxious, I found myself becoming part of the crisis or becoming the new crisis. And, and although that may not. Okay. So if, if you become overwhelmed and you become kind of your own crisis, that may not add to the existing crisis that's going on, but it takes energy and focus from people to help you through that where they may need to be focused on somewhere else. So yeah. Um, you know, 20 years ago, I, I, I had no problem adding 
you know, to the crisis or becoming the crisis and, and, you know, taking people's attention away from what they really need to be thinking about. So, yeah, I, I absolutely, that resonates with me. Well, okay. So in talking about a crisis now, I didn't fact check what I'm about to say. Uh, but John F. Kennedy is credited for saying what I'm about to say. Uh, John Kennedy, and I came across this in this process. Um, he once said, when written in Chinese, the word crisis is composed of two characters. One represents danger and the other represents opportunity. So, wow. yeah. So if the, if the word or the character for uh, crisis is danger and opportunity. I mean, I think, man, that, that is exactly what a crisis is. It, there, some da- there is danger there, you know, going too far, doing something stupid, you know, uh, losing it. But there's an opportunity here. There's an opportunity to learn. There's opportunity to grow. And then eventually opportunity to use what you went through to help others. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity here. And, um, and so going through a crisis, we have to remember, we have to see the crisis as an opportunity. And, uh, and that's where we have to have that mindset and, and that training to see it that way. And, and God is preparing you. I want to tell you right now, whoever's listening to this, if you're not in a crisis, one's coming. <laughs> if you live long enough, it's just going to happen. I mean, just that uh, Jesus, that's what he said. And, uh, I'm convinced that God is working on you right now. He's speaking to you in preparing you for whatever's coming. And, uh, but my question is, are you listening? Are you learning? Okay. And especially if you start hearing the same things over and over, it's like, you know, the same subject, boom, 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 boom. It's like, wow, I keep hearing about this. Why, why is that happening? What's, you know, God, what are you saying to me? Well, he's, you know, you may not feel like you need it right then, but he knows what's coming and he's trying to give you some resources to fall back on, um, uh, some truth to fall back on when, you know, when everything hits the fan, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You go, I don't know what to do. Well, well, no, I prepared you. Uh, all right. So I got one more thought on crisis events and uh, then we'll end this podcast and we'll pick up next time with, uh, my story and my little crisis going on here. Uh, so in thinking about my crisis event, where, where I'm at in crisis in general, uh, here's a thought. I may not have gone where I intended to go, but I think I've ended up where I needed to be. And what I mean by that is, is that, uh, I had plans for my life that did not include a three-year-old and a six-year-old and a sick wife. I did not have plans to have to at 54, 55, 56, 57, to be living, uh, like a single dad kind of lifestyle. And, um, but I think I ended up exactly where God wanted me to be. And there I is have zero doubt. Yeah. I have zero doubt of that. Right. Um, and this, this, I, I now, as the older I get, uh, the more I see God's handle some things in the past, uh, because it all is starting, not all, but a lot of it is starting to make more sense, um, of why I had certain interest, uh, wanting to learn certain things and with what he's doing now. 
And so, uh, and, and it all, you know, I mean, God has a plan. And again, I, I may not, I may, as I say, I may not have gone where I intended to go, but mm-hmm. I think I've ended up where I needed to be. Okay. And that's, that's really about what God is orchestrating around me. And, uh, and I think we have to keep that in mind because, uh, life does have its twists and turns and, uh, but really in the middle of it, you, you're really gonna, it's, it's a time to grow. It's a time to rethink. It's time to refocus. And again, it's not about comfort. It's about character. It's not about you. It's about God. It's not about your plan. It's about his plan. God's at the center. You are not. And to, to get to that point with whatever's happening in your life, you're going to have to die to self because here's what happens. Anxiety pushes when you get anxious, here's what's going to happen. When the crisis hits and anxiety hits, or even over little things, when anxiety hits, it pushes self to the front because anxiety says, you've got to control it. You've got to have the answer. You've got to be good enough. You've got to take, you know, you got to, whatever it is. And anxiety wants self to be in charge, not God. And you're going to have to fight that. And that's where not my will, but his will kicks in that mindset. Well, you know, I, I've been, I've been thinking about that sort of thing quite a bit here lately. And it's, you know, it's kind of piggyback off what you were saying. God has a plan for my life. At the end of my life, whenever that is, uh, God's plan is going to be done. My hope is, is that through my life, I listen to him well enough that I recognize it at the end. Because regardless, regardless, I'm going to end up right where God wants me. And my hope is, is that through the journey, I listened and was paying enough attention that I recognized where I ended up. You know, you mentioned that it basically you've kind of ended up in a situation that you hadn't planned for yourself. But the the important part is and, and the thing that I appreciate so much is, is your willingness to even the things that are difficult, your willingness to listen to God and try to try to sort out what the plan is, because at the end of all of this, at the end of all of this, you'll be able to look back with perspective and, and recognize that, Hey, this is where God wanted me to be anyway. And you know what, you know, we can push back against God all we want at the end of the day, we'll end up at the finish line, exactly where he intends us to be. Um, and like I said, my hope is, is that, um, you know, when my life becomes exactly what God wants it to be, that I recognize it because I was listening to God through the journey. Yeah. You know, uh, and it is a journey, um, you know, because what's, what's odd is, you know, we're, we're going to, you know, we've been going for about an hour now. And uh, what's interesting to me is that five years ago, five, just five years ago, we're talking five short years ago, Everything that I'm going to share in the next podcast was not on my radar at all. None of it. Not Natalie, not Emma, not where I, the house I live in, not the, uh, Roger living with us on hospice and dying here at the house, not having a mother-in-law living here, not a brother-in-law living here. I had no dog. <laughs> okay. I mean, and Pam and Pam wasn't sick. So, uh, I mean, every, and, and some other things that we'll talk about, but I, what I'm telling you is that everything that I'm about to share in the next podcast 
didn't exist. And in five years, and especially the last 12 months, uh, everything has changed. And so, but uh, when I look, when I look, reflect and look back on it, I see God preparing me to do what I need to do in the midst of all this. And uh, it was, it's, it was not, and is not fun, like you said, and, uh, but it's necessary. And so any, here's what I'm convinced of anything necessary is going to be painful. It always is, you know, no, you know, if you set a goal, I mean, Hey, losing weight, it's painful. It's, man, that's not fun. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, if you have a job in mind and you want a, that particular type of a job, you're going to have to go, you got to jump through a bunch of hoops, whether that's some kind of training, whether that's some kind of education or whatever, you know, you're just going to have to do a lot of things you don't want to do to get there, you know? Um, uh, but however, when it comes to the things of God, I'm telling you, it is worth, it is worth it. It doesn't feel like it's worth it at the time. You know what I'm saying? And you're, you're saying, I mean, really, is there, is there a, is there an easier way to get where you want me to go? God, do I really have to go through this? You know, that would be nice. It it? would be, give me some options. Give me plan a plan B plan C. Let me decide which path I want to take in order to get where you think I need to go. Oh, if it was that easy, man, I wish it was, I wish God would give us options, but he allows us. I mean, he allows options in the sense of, you know, uh, ask Samson, ask Jonah, I mean, you know, they had options, but <clears throat> God got them where he wanted them to be regardless. And so, uh, and sometimes God has to do the Paul thing, you know, just, you know, knock us down a little bit, you know, in the middle of our tracks and, you know, slow our lives down. Cause Paul was, you know, he was persecuting the church, you know, and all this other kind of stuff. He was pursuing Christians, you know, and then Jesus shows up on a, on a, on a road one day and says, all right, Paul, that's enough. You know, and he blinds him you know, and then Paul goes into hiding for about three years and he has to retrain his thinking and stuff. Then he comes out and God's got a plan for him. And then God uses Paul to write half the new Testament. So there you go. And there uh, you go. Yeah. Just like that. Uh, but to get there, you know, Paul shipwrecked, beaten, left for half dead, persecuted, you know, starved, death, you know, just on and on. And, uh, you know, but that, it's part of the path. All right, Billy. So we're going to wrap it up right there. Uh, Hey guys, if you made it this far in the podcast, man, uh, that means probably something's going on with you. (laughs) And so uh, hopefully it's been helpful to you as we've kind of walked through a crisis event, some observations and thoughts about that. And again, we're trying to pass on the comfort that we have received onto you, just like second Corinthians talks about. And so hopefully this has been a blessing to you. So until next time, um, uh, you know, just keep God at the forefront, stay faithful, stay strong, stay hungry. And, uh, we'll talk to you later. Thank you for listening. This has been conversations. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to click subscribe and leave us a great review. And to find out more about Genesis church, please visit www.genesisbegins.com.